This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share, and collaborate. Welcome to EM Weekly, and this is your host, Todd DeVoe speaking, and this is your Emergency Manager Podcast, and this is your bonus podcast, because today we're going live from the Sitch Studio Radios in Orange County, California. You know, uh, it's one of these things that we've been dreaming about doing for a long time. When I say we, it's it's Brian and I, and, and we've been talking about doing a studio and wanting to put it together, and we finally got it together, and it's it's here, and it's exciting. And a lot of this has to do with you guys, the listeners of, of EM Weekly, and of course our um, our sponsors. You know, Titan HST has been really gracious um, with, with supporting us from the beginning, and I couldn't say thank you more to, to Vic and Serene for all the support they've given us uh, throughout the years. Can you believe this? It's been three three years that we're, we're running on here. So this is our third year. So it's been two two years, but we're starting our third year, right? And uh, Brian's actually here in studio with me, but he's a little shy today. He doesn't want to come on the show. Uh, but every once in a while, I'll be talking directly to Brian here. So if you hear me talk directly to him, that's what that's all about. But, you know, it's interesting, right, is that it was like 2016, Brian and I are having coffee, just sitting here talking about, man, we should start this podcast, you know, because it's better than audio. And I didn't think anybody was going to listen. I thought it was just going to be for my students. And boom, we have a, a really good, diverse, worldwide population that's listening to us. You know, we're dealing with a, a guy right now over in Germany that we're talking about doing some more work with them. Um, I was just uh, about to be um, today breaking this new um webinar series that this guy is doing. His name's Lenny. And uh, we're working on that together. Uh, we're going to be having that pot. We're going to do that webinar with him in, in October. Uh, it's kind of cool. So Hammer Forge is the name of that that that, uh, that uh, webinar series. So there's a lot of cool things that we're working on here. But <clears throat> coming down to it, sorry, I don't have a cough button. Uh, coming down to it, um, we are here and in in Southern California, I was about to say sunny California, but today's not quite sunny. It, it actually rained today, so we had to operate our EOC. It's sprinkled, right? I actually had sprinkle on my car. We full we were on level one activation here, everybody. You know, gosh, you know, cars are crashed into each other all over the place, and I don't know the melee's happening again. Uh, but no, just joking, everybody out there. You know, it does rain here in California, uh, despite the the song. But you know, we're we're out here. Um, it's beautiful. We we. We get to uh, see great people, and we're going to be working uh, closely with some other people. Um, the cool thing is, is that we were working on the EMLC um, conference, and we were invited to be the studio or the be the the media host uh, of that event. And unfortunately, due to some financial stuff or whatever, um, it it wasn't able to go. And um, oh, cool, and. Uh, so Brian's pointing something out to you. That's what I said. Oh, cool about. It. Like I said, this is live, man. This is this is live. There's no uh, going back and and cutting that out. Uh, but back to the EMLC. We were really excited about doing this, and unfortunately, we weren't. It's not going to happen. And I feel feel bad for the guys who were really organizing this event. Uh, you know, because it's something they put on last year. It was really well received, 
and for whatever reason, things happened. But that's okay. So the cool part about that is that we moved forward. We bought a bunch of stuff. So we're going to be doing some more um, live events uh, throughout the country, throughout the, uh, uh, throughout the state of California specifically, and throughout the country. Matter of fact, in two weeks, I'm going to be down in San Diego uh, doing the National CERT Conference, a Community Emergency Response Team Conference. And some cool announcements are coming out of that. I can't break this news here today, uh, but stand by for that because we'll be breaking it live uh, down there in San Diego. Uh, so I'm excited about that. But we're going to be there interviewing the people who are participating in the Community Emergency Response Team and Listos, which is a Spanish version of, of, community, of CERT. And we're going to be interviewing them, talking to the volunteers. And I tell you something, one of the things I think is really exciting about volunteers is you guys that do it come out for free. And you give your time and you give your effort and you always have a smile on your face and you want more. And I, I really do appreciate that. So all the certain volunteers that are out there listening, uh, the Team Rubicon people, the American Red Cross people, the Baptist uh, uh, Charities Group, the uh, Catholic uh, Disaster Response Team, the Lutheran Disaster Response Team, all y'all, um, the Salvation Army, can't leave those guys out, all y'all, I really appreciate everything that you guys are doing. And it's more than just CERT down there, We're gonna, although that's the focus. I think it's realistically the disaster volunteers. And we had this like really cool conversation uh, at one of my classes talking about the disaster volunteer and what they mean uh, to emergency responders. And one of the things associated with that is that no matter how many people, we can't hire enough people. Even if we hired fully staffed, right? I mean, how many firefighters and police officers can you have uh, and EMTs and paramedics can you have sitting around waiting for the big disaster? Just you couldn't hire enough. So when the large disaster does occur, we do focus a lot on the community. And so what's that mean? Well, a couple of things that we're going to be looking at specifically, right, in the in the grand scheme of things in community is disaster resiliency and community preparedness. And I think they kind of go together, right? Disaster resiliency and community preparedness go together. But what's the difference? Well, in resiliency, right, resiliency is the ability for an organism, and in this case, the organism we'll call a community. Organization. No, an organism. Brian's asking me if it was an organization. No, it's the ability for, we're using ecology as the definition for disasters, right? So it's the ability for an, an, an organism, right? And in this case, what we're going to call that as a community, right? When we think about it as, as community disaster resiliency. For the organism to be able to bounce back or rebound after stresses and or threats are held against them. Right, and so what we want is the what we want to do is get to the point to where communities can rebound, right, build back again after disasters and threats against them, and not lose their identity of what the community is. And I really think the important part of disaster resiliency isn't just the idea of the individual being able to have a home again, which is important, right? I mean, Brian, would you want to live like in a cardboard box or anything like that? No. <laughs> <laughs> so right so he doesn't want so he wants his house back right we all want our house back people don't i mean you look at what's happening over in paradise california right now i mean we're, we're they're getting to the point to where they're starting to get some trailers and things up there but it's still not home 
And and so, but the other part of it isn't just being able to get into a shelter that feels comfortable, right? So even if you do your long-term sheltering, it's still not home. The idea is, is to be able to, to build back again stronger and better and not lose that sense of community or who you are, the identity, right? And so a couple of my students, four of them actually, are doing some original research on disaster resiliency and what it means specifically in Orange County, California. Um, and they are looking right now, it's like 800 and something surveys went out uh, to community leaders throughout Orange County to see what does it mean, disaster resiliency mean to you and what are they aware of? And, and the results are very limited right now, but they're very interesting because it's kind of all over the place. No one ever wants to say they don't know what disaster resiliency is, so they're given that like proverbial three as their you know, one to five scale. They're given that three, that middle one, like, oh, yeah, I kind of know what it is. But do they? And so, and then the the other question that they're asking, which I find interesting right now, that the answers are coming back not understanding, is what is the heart of your community? And maybe we could do a better job on that survey to to define what heart means, right? But realistically, heart of the community, right? What is that? If you identify yourself as what what community you are, you kind of know what the cultural center of the community is. So, for instance, like. Huntington Beach, big city, right? But realistically, Main Street and the beach is Huntington Beach when you think about it. Like Newport Beach, again, you know, you think about Balboa Island maybe, uh, things like that. Santa Ana, you know, that's a little spread out, but I would say probably the Civic Center area. And then if you go to, like, say, City of Orange, you know, obviously you have the Orange Circle. That area over there I think was what you would consider, like, the heart of what Orange really is. And so understanding what that means and that's the cultural identity can you lose in a large-scale disaster could you lose your identity for sure right but i think if you come together as a community as a culture of that community that you keep it and so how do we do this how do we build that concept of the community uh as, as a whole well I, I think it's a couple different pieces here and, and i wrote some notes i wrote some notes um, and uh, let me let me pull them up here. Sorry if I moved away from the mic here for a second. And when it comes down to it, so what you need is a is a good community programs, right? Parks recreation programs I think are very important uh, to the identity of, of what the community is. If you take a look at some of the stronger communities around here, you see they have a really great community programs out there uh, for their residents. Um, and then also a. Uh, a common identity, like what does that mean? What does it mean to be living in Irvine compared to, say, living in Costa Mesa? And why did you choose to live in those particular cities? Um, and a positive relations with the community leaders, right? And so you want to make sure that you trust who your community leaders are. That's the elected and unelected, right? The elected and appointed officials. So your city manager, your your city council members, the the you know planning commission, the city planner, do you trust them, right? And I think that comes into it. And I think all those things right there, having those community relations, they all equal trust of the community. And once somebody has a trust of their community, understanding the community leaders, understanding that they're not worried about, you know, simple things, right? The, the, for lack of a better term, which I don't like to go to very much anymore, but Maslow's hierarchy of needs, then they can understand the identity of what community really is, Right. And so then you're building those relationships with your neighbors. 
And I've said this multiple times, teaching and, 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 and throughout some other things here on, on Ian Weekly, is the concept of meet your neighbors and make friends, right? And I, I say this, my wife hates this line, but I say, someday you might need to borrow a ladder, right? You know, who borrows a cup of sugar anymore? Sugar's bad for you, so we might need to borrow a ladder. Um, but that being said, could you go to your neighbor today, knock on the door and, and say, hey, Brian, uh, could I borrow a ladder? Right? And would you even know what his name is? You know, sometimes, like you say in your neighborhood, you have the people that you wave to, you know them, you know by face, but you don't know their name. And then you have people that you might know their name, but you don't know anything about them. Right? I think that breaking that barrier down here, specifically in Southern California, breaking that barrier down and being able to knock on doors, be able to talk to people, not being afraid uh, of, of, of the neighbors is very important to, to bring that because at the end of the day, when the large scale disaster happens, if you know the neighbor to the left of you and they know the neighbor to the right of you, you're going to look out for each other. And I think that's really important. And if you think about that on your block, that's going to create what our community is. I've talked about this before, but in this case here, when I was at Seal Beach, um, we did the Neighbor for Neighbor programs, and the Neighbor for Neighbor programs were, were really well received, and they're still going, by the way. <clears throat> and with the Neighbor for Neighbor programs, it's you define your neighborhood, then you, almost like a neighborhood watch, but with a disaster resilience um, twist to it, right? And so you get to know who your neighbors are, you get to have a little potluck with them, you know, uh, drink some sodas and coffee outside with them, get to meet the fire department, get to meet the police department, your cert program. Uh, we would bring in guys to fill up uh, fire extinguishers. We had a little disaster kit sales guy there. You know, all those people, right, coming together and understanding who your neighbors are and what resources they might have that you don't have, right? And I don't mean, you know, resources that you wouldn't want to share, like secret stuff, right? I'm just talking about, you know, do you have – a lawnmower that I might be able to borrow, you know, or or that I, and I have a weed whacker that you might be able to borrow and, and trade things like that, right? In a non-disaster setting, and then when a disaster happens and you already have that relationship, it's going to be you're more likely to help each other out. I think that's really important, and you see this a lot in like some of the rural communities. Um, and one of the things that we're seeing today is the that the failure of civic engagement is is, is coming. And this is not something new. Uh, realistically, Robert Putnam wrote about this in Bowling Alone back in the 90s. If you haven't read the book Bowling Alone, it's a little wonky, uh, but if, any, if you're involved in this stuff, you might, might be interested in it. But in Bowling Alone, um, he talks specifically um, about how the decreasing in bowling leagues, right? It sounds silly, right? The decreasing in bowling leagues as a direct correlation to the increase in the identity of community. Think about that for a second. So the decreasing in bowling leagues has a direct correlation to the in decreasing in cultural or community identity. So, and that goes along with like the Elks clubs and the Moose and the Lions clubs and the as as Anna Cave calls them the Critter clubs, right? Um, you see a decrease in the member of those, and we think about those as being. Um, we think about those as being the um, the hallmark of communities. And you're starting to see people not having time to join those. So anyway, going back to that, I think that if we can start having, it doesn't have to be the critter clubs, but if we can have start having people involved in our community, involved in our neighborhoods, just on the, just on the granular level of, known, level of knowing who your next door neighbor is, 
right? And being able to say, hey, can I borrow a ladder? And I think that's going to go a long way in, in really building community resiliency, which is identified as being able to have, after a disaster, not losing the core values of that community, the community identity. Well, anyway, I'm going to let you guys go. I think this was a quick hit, and I do appreciate y'all listening and uh, for my first live here at the Sitch Studio Radios. And again, thank you, Titan HST, for all that you do for us. Until next time, see you later. <laughs>